Whoa, we are back for another episode of the Home Mat Advantage interview podcast. Today we have another interview coming at you. Um, today, Mason Beckman and Tony Rotundo got to interview Joe Williamson, formerly known as Joe Flo, and uh, he is now running Grow Wrestling. It's a company that he manages to try to grow the sport through events and media coverage and stuff like that. He was the, really the beginning of Flow Wrestling uh, when they started in 2006, and so he kind of helped Martin Floriani grow that media um, nation that we know today. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. Mason and Tony did, did a great job, and uh, yeah, it's going to be really entertaining. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Let's let it roll. All right, we got quite the cast of characters today. Um, joining me is the website sponsor, the man, the myth, the legend, that is Tony Rotundo, and one of the fathers of internet wrestling media, the way that we cover wrestling today, uh, Missouri Tiger, current head of Grow Wrestling, Joe Williamson. What's up, gentlemen? Hey, man. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, good. Trying to stay sane. Uh, doing stuff like this really helps. Uh, we're stuck at stuck at home most of the day. So yeah, yeah. to be how, with you guys. How are Jack and Lauren doing? Good. Um, you know, today is a little more rough when it when it rains and there's a soccer field down the street. I can take Jack there, run some energy out of him, um, and then things are normal. But it's been raining here all day, and so he's been stuck inside. So uh, hopefully, it's cleared up enough. I can take him out there. Um, after this, so he doesn't drive us both bonkers. And George's <laughs> doing well. Um, she's, uh, yep, we got another kid on the way, so that's a big, uh, a big thing coming up. End of September, a few days before our, like, first big event of the year. And, uh, oh, Jack's birthday's tomorrow, so trying to figure out how to make that special for him. Yeah. Right on. That's awesome, man. So. Congrats. You know, you've you've had a pretty incredible life through the sport to this point, right? And obviously, you're far from done. But um, you know, and, and there's so much to it that people that maybe isn't super public knowledge, or you know, hasn't the story that hasn't been told um, through larger outlets. But you know, go back to how did you get started in wrestling? You know, where did it all kind of start for you? And and at what point do you think you looked at it and went, man, this is this sport, like, this is what I love to do. This is what I think I want to do long-term. Yeah, I mean, um, some of my earliest memories were um, uh, laying down on a mat next to my brother, watching my dad coach um, Kickapoo High School in Springfield. Um, and, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, those first moments you look back, all those guys that he was coaching, then they're like kings, you know. Probably they were not that good at wrestling. But, uh, <laughs> It used to be fun in there and uh, going to events. I mean, we we spent even before we were wrestling, uh, we were spending our weekends in a in a wrestling gym. You know, the coach's kid, um, mm-hmm. and then shoot, I I think I loved my brother and I. We grew up together, and I was into wrestling a little bit. You know, before he was, I was really pumped, and probably just because you know, what do I associate it with? Um, Hanging out, hanging out with my family, going to tournaments and and wrestling, playing kickball in between matches. Um, most of my friends 
uh, I made through wrestling. And so, you know, just associating wrestling with, uh, with happy times. Yeah. So, you know, at what point do you think in your development, you looked at it and went like, I think I can, and I think I want to wrestle in college. Um, you know, everybody kind of has that moment of clarity where like, man, this is just something like I did as a kid for fun. And then like, Hey, this is, this is kind of what I do. Well, I don't think there was ever a time that I thought I would stop wrestling. You know, uh, <laughs> I can't, I don't think I could tell you the time where I thought I wanted to do that. Cause I don't think I could tell you a time that I would have said I, I wouldn't wrestle. Um, it was, it was kind of like a part of my identity um, growing up. And it was something that, you know, over time you work harder and harder, you start getting those really good feelings, uh, sometimes really bad ones, but either way, uh, a feeling that impacts you. Um, so, you know, keeps you alive almost. Um, yeah. So I would say I really, I got into it at a higher level, maybe, maybe in seventh and eighth grade, I started going to, you know, going to work out at the high school and then so, you know, I'm, I'm one of the tougher guys in the room. So, uh, I thought that was cool. And I knew I was, I was a little bit, you know, I had some, something going on, something that I was going right. to be good at it. Yeah. So, you know, you go through your high school career and, you know, at the time that you would have gone through your recruiting process and would have really made your decision, you know, you end up at Missouri, um, you know, not far from home relative to, you know, some other place you could have gone. But what, what people, you know, Missouri is one of those programs now that's become such a mainstay at that highest level. Um, and the Missouri program that recruited you was a very different Missouri program. You know, the time that, that you grew up around the program and then you went, decided to go there. So what was it about Mizzou, about Coach Smith that, you know, you decided to go to Mizzou? Um, and just talk about your time there, man. You went through some, a, a changing of a program. Yeah, so I think I was, maybe I was a junior in high school. Um, well, Missouri, Missouri knocked off Illinois. It was like a first really, really big win. And, um, and it was news, like the program's going somewhere around that same time, you know, they're starting to have a fewer individuals, all American, you know, mm -hmm. Spates and Tyron Woodley. Um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, look at a whole lot of schools. In fact, the my junior year in high school, I didn't wrestle the whole season. You know, I got hurt, ended up having surgery a few times, um, and it was a tough comeback. And the next year, I only finished, you know, I finished third place. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's not like my phone was, was ringing off the hook for, for people that want to get the, the dude that got third at state. Um, but uh, when, I went, when I went to Missouri, I had a teammate, Jeff Faust, who was a Big 12 champ, who had gone to University of Missouri. And so, you know, I, I did go out several times before, like I was recruiting, go up there and get to meet the guys and hang out. And so that was really cool. Um, and then it was also just like a really good location for me. Um, my dad lived in St. Louis. My mom lived in Kansas City. It's right there in the middle. So, you know, I got a nice safety net there. Yeah. Um, and then the school's good. And I knew that uh, I would get a good education there. So, um, you know, probably a combo of those things. Uh, and I knew I wanted to I wanted to try and go D1. Um, and so, you know, any other school I was talking to, you know, there were smaller schools and I just, 
you know, see if I could do it at that level. You know, so Brian Smith is, I, I think, arguably the most under-discussed, um, underrated coach in division on wrestling, especially when you talk about program builders, right? Again, it's been a while since he had to build Missouri, but, um, you know, I don't think people realize how far they've, they've come under his tutelage, but, you know, talk about coach Smith, what he was, you know, what it was like wrestling for him and what it is about him, you know, and, and the invention, the creation of tiger style, right. That everybody knows now, but, um, Talk about Coach Smith and why you think he's been able to be just so incredibly successful. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a way different coach today than he was when I was there. And, you know, because he was developing from, you know, the, the ground level. But And I thought he was kind of insane. But it's <laughs> somebody that really felt, felt it, uh, Mark Vader. Um, I think Mark was there. He was either there for one year with... Uh, Roper that was before Smith or maybe it was the first year but um the team um, when Smith took over at one point they were down to nine wrestlers and I think Smith was like not he, he was cleaning house yeah um, so only some a few people that that could handle the handle the culture change stayed there um but he was remark telling me um things like they they all got eliminated day one at the Vegas uh, in uh, Cliff Keen, and Smith drove them like eight miles out into the cold desert, uh, dropped them off, and said, "I'll see you back at the hotel." And, uh, <laughs> and wow, that's and, awesome. Yeah, it's good today. Like he he seems very laid back, which blows my mind. But I think it's a little bit different when you're when you're getting blue chippers versus mm-hmm. getting. Um, you know, not not the highest pedigree wrestlers coming out of of college. So he had to do it. He had to do what he needed to, I think, to get um, the right guys off the team and make the guys that were going to be able to grow um, grow. And anyways, I would say Smith is is an innovator. He's um, and he's a CEO. He's always had good good assistant coaches around him. He works. He works really hard to for the success that he has, um, and I don't think he's taken his foot off the pedal. Um, maybe his attitude and some of the ways he coaches changes, but he's still um, still got fire in his belly. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've had some conversations with him at some different points that make that very very clear. It's like you said, his demeanor is so calm. It's almost like the you know, like the duck on the pond, right? What you see on the surface is so much different. And uh, talking to Joe Johnston at one point, I asked him about Smith. You know, Joe, Iowa guy, guy that's known for being one of the hardest working people out there. And the first words out of Joe's mouth were, I've never seen somebody that works that hard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, shoot, what was I going to say? I had like a really good point and uh, it slipped my mind, Mason. Um Joe, I got a quick question just in terms of like that recruiting process. Um, were you kind of a hard nosed wrestler like that? I mean, you're, you're one of the sweetest people I know. Um, and so <laughs> like, were you, were you like grit and grind and like, just not just hard work, but like, were you kind of mean on the mat or, or like, what did he see in you to bring um, on? Well, 
I would say I wasn't great wrestler. Um, I wasn't the strongest, fastest. Um, but uh, I think when my heart was in it, um, I had as much effort and um, I did everything I could to get better. Um, it it was important to me, and yeah, I would I would just say uh, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna give up. I don't know what else to say. Um, I went. I, I wrestled year round for the most part. Went to camps. Went to every practice I could. Um, found good workout partners, and uh, you know it got me to a decent level. I you know I was never never um, never starting in college. Just uh, just uh, a good workout partner for Ben Askren and Tyron Woodley. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I was going to ask about next, man, is you were teammates and right in the wheelhouse of a couple of guys that, I mean, you know, Woodley was an All-American, you know, Askren made four finals and won two titles, um, first national champ ever at Mizzou, you know, and Woodley obviously, you know, being a UFC champ, two guys that um, are Hall of Famers as far as Missouri athletics go. But for your program, you know, put Missouri wrestling um, on the map. So, you know, talk about your relationship with those guys and what it was like. Obviously, it's never ideal not being the guy that that is breaking those barriers. To, but to be part of the, the team and the group that proved you can win a national title at Missouri and prove that you can do all those things. Yeah, and there was, there was other guys, you know, Pel, Matt Pell was also in uh, my class. Yeah, I remember him. A little bit older, was All-American. Kenny Burleson, mm-hmm. um, just a little younger than me, is uh, Raymond Jordan. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I remember um, my buddy Faust, when I was telling you, a high school teammate, um, this is before, like, you could go, just go watch tons of matches and find out a lot about people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, dude, this guy, Ben Askren, is, uh, is coming. He's right around your weight, too, and really hyped him up. I remember uh, the first time I, I saw him, actually, I was like, this guy uh, <laughs> just not look that impressive. Um, you know, at the time, you know, I probably lifted too much too much weights and could have substituted some time uh, wrestling because uh, I think that's what Ben did. Um, but, yeah, he just didn't look tough. And so, you know, fast forward to, you know, the season starting, he beat beat me up pretty good. But the thing about him is it just kept, you know, he just kept getting better and better and better and better and better. Um, and you'd see things like, you know, I'd go over, I live pretty close and Pell and Askren live together. We'd have already had like two workouts that like maybe like a strength training in the morning and wrestling in the afternoon. And then they're just on mattering, you know, or you know, play wrestling now. I didn't even know what that was then, but I know that they're there, they're working on technique and they're sweating. And, um, it's kind of like, Whoa, you're, you're gonna, you're doing this for a third time, uh, for a third time in the day. Um, you know, pal, pal was the same way. Just, um, that, that group of guys, I said, I have a good workout partner from, they, they, they sharpen each other like crazy. And, and, um, I think very smart about, smart about how they did it yeah and i think one of the things that goes uh, that is so incredibly overlooked is 
you know, a roster so much more than the 10 guys in the lineup, right? Or even the, you know, if you've got an elite team, the five or six guys that can make the podium, right? You know, the, we, uh, I can think about the teams that I was on in college. You, you run through the people that we call glue guys, right? You know, people that really keep the roster together. So it's always interesting to hear the stories. Like, and I know I've talked to you about your time in Missouri a little bit before, um, but the perspective on these guys that, People remember the names and the faces, but um, you saw a totally different side um, of of a guy like Askren. But when do you think for, you know, for Askren specifically, when do you think was the first time that you really thought, like, this dude might be different? Well, I remember him, you know, I remember some guys that, that would beat him up a little bit um, when we were freshmen. And by the time wrestle-offs happened, uh, you know, he won this, you know, he won the match. Um, mm-hmm. And I just like, dang, you know, that was that was pretty quick from going from probably a guy's going to major you to, I think he won an overtime mat, match against uh, this guy, Matt Turner, who was really tough. But um, he beat, he beat uh, Robbie Waller in, at the Missouri Open when we were freshmen, Robbie Waller won a national title that year. And, uh, you know, I remember after Waller won, just thinking like, dang, the, the chubby kid is really good. Uh, yeah. Then, you know, you're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to beat national champs and all Americans, you know, several months into your, into your, um, college career. And he's also the guy, I know it happens more and more now. I think kids are coming out of high school and they're better. But, you know, he's the one that wouldn't wrestle in the freshman-sophomore division at open tournaments and and win. I also remember this match. Uh, it was at Missouri Open. I don't know who he was wrestling, but um, the dude looked like He-Man, just like the most ripped alpha male-looking guy that you could see. And uh, Ben made him quit the match. Like, uh, he just stopped halfway through the match. And there was this moment when Ben took him out of da- out of bounds and kind of doubled him onto the ground, and he just, like, walked back and did one of these. Uh, and I was like, man, that's just, like, a dope move right there. And, uh, and you know, someone like this, someone like this guy he's wrestling has probably never felt that before. And uh, if you just looked at both guys, you 10 out of 10 non-wrestlers would say, oh, that guy's going to win. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and you kind of mentioned it, and I, I wanted to bring this up a little bit later, but, you know, you guys have seen the sport change a lot, both of it, you know, Tony and Joe. How much different is it, you know, how much of a difference do you see in kids that are coming out of high school now, you know, and how ready they are to compete and, and the level that they're at, you know, how much of a difference do you see now versus you know when you guys competed or even say 10 15 years ago and what what do you attribute that to you or me tony uh i'll I'll go i'll take it um you know i think we were babies like when i came i mean i graduated from high school in 1985 so i'm even a generation ahead of joe um 
but I look back and there were a couple kids that were pretty mature that were that were doing really good things. But I think availability to coaching, I really actually do. Th- everybody kind of says this, but I think Flo has really contributed to that. And then what Flo forced USA Wrestling to do, which is basically just get a lot of content out there. But it's not just the wrestling. It's also the 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 mindset, the attitude um the technique you know who would have heard of play wrestling before i'd never heard of such a thing my dad would scoff he was a coach my dad would scoff at play wrestling right i mean you you basically hit the move a couple times and you kind of went live with it right you wouldn't play wrestle for an hour um so and you know i so i think availability and communication right so all of the platforms and social media and stuff like that um, are getting kids connected and getting kids connected to really good coaching. Um, so uh, I, I, that's my take on it. Yeah, I think part of it is just is mindset. Like, I know when I went to college, I just expected um, I'm going to take a bunch of, I'm going to, this is going to be a tough first year. Um, and I think kids now, part of it's coaching, it's um, being able to watch the next level. It's kids, I think now, believe that they can go and be successful right off the bat and that's such a a huge piece of it um if you if you love it and you believe you can do it and you've had the right coaches in your ear um and you just expect to to win then you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna be better off for it um and you guys up in pa too there there's a a club on every corner and people have access to um all americans and national champs olympians um and when when those people and and having the toughness in workout partners is one thing but having those guys that that are are in your ear saying that stuff then all of a sudden it's um it's real you can do it yeah Yeah. i think i think a great example of that was um in fargo you know, Sonny Abe has been in the Pittsburgh area for quite some time now. You know, he coaches at North Allegheny now. He um, still runs his club and everything. And he was out in Fargo as one of the Team Pennsylvania coaches, uh, as which is what I was doing last summer for Fargo, right? And, and Sonny and I are bouncing around, and a uh, kid I knew from Maryland is like, ask who, you know, Sonny and I had stood there and had a conversation. We kind of parted ways. Kid from Maryland asked me, like, hey, who was that? That's uh, Sonny Abe. He's like, wait, like, the one that was an Olympian, you know? And I'm like, yeah, he won a national title at Penn State, was an Olympian and everything. He's like, how do you know him? Like, I've known him since I was a kid. Like, he's just, you know, and that's one of those things. The older that I get, you know, and I'm only 27, but the older I get, the, the more I realize the proximity to that stuff in wrestling hotbeds is insane. You know, the Pennsylvania, parts of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, um, you know, parts of New York, like, and, and it's so interesting because I think wrestling is a unique sport in that you can go to literally like kids tournaments and see guys that won NCAA titles or were Olympians, you know, um, I can remember when I was an athlete at Lehigh, you know, John Hughes helped coach his son's youth league, uh, youth league team. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny. I'm like, you have a guy that's a current Division One coach, a guy that won a national title, that's done all these things, and he's sitting here in this pouted, crappy gym coaching youth wrestling. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I remember um, when I was out in California, 
um, at the tournaments there, there's there's oftentimes a uh, clinic before for an hour. You know, kids can mm-hmm. go. And you get some some technique, and uh, I was running it, and you know, Daniel Cormier was was over there, and this is right when he. I mean, he was already a big name in mixed martial arts, and uh, well, he was at he was at all the tournaments, uh, like this superstar. Not only in wrestling now, but in you know, any combat sport, you know who who Daniel Cormier is. Um, yeah, I feel like if you're in some place like Pennsylvania, Jim's probably got, you know, 15 All-Americans walking around coaching different clubs. Yeah, like one of the <coughs> perfect examples, we, uh, so you know the, the Stout brothers, Luke just graduated, he's headed to Princeton, um, his younger brother, and Luke won a state title this year in Pennsylvania, and his younger brother, Mac, uh, was a runner-up this year as a sophomore. Their dad, Brian, was a four-time All-American at Clarion, right? And he was a, a three times at uh, whatever the weight was, 190, uh, whatever is 197 now, and then a senior heavyweight. Now, Brian, you look at him, it's very evident he's still in extremely good shape, and he's not somebody you would ever want to mess with. But other than that, the way he carries himself, the way he talks, you would never in your life know that this dude was you know, four-time All-American, and he lets his coaches – his kids' coaches coach their kids and everything. And that I think that, again, is a perfect example of somebody. I look, I'm like, you, you know, Brian's just another dad in here. And that's just such a such a crazy thing to think about. But, you know, it's one of the things that makes our sport special is that people people do stay around. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, you have David Taylor, who is actively, you know, seeking an Olympic championship, and he's coaching these kids, and, like, mm-hmm. imagine how those kids, like, if you're part of his program, like, it's not a dad who did this thing in years past, it's, like, an, a you know, a very legitimate Olympic um, title contender who they're seeing train, who they're seeing his lifestyle, and they're going to emulate that, right? So it's an interesting that that's an interesting other side of it too. I mean, I don't know that a lot of that was happening where you had uh, Olympic caliber athletes training younger kids um, while they were training. I mean, I'm sure it happened, but not maybe not where they had a, like a club um, going, you know, while they were training. Right, and I think that's with RTCs. I think that's one of the things that you know. Obviously, RTC athletes aren't necessarily the ones that are coaching every practice, but what it what RTCs, one of the many things they have enabled is accessibility, right? You you have young kids that can regularly go see, you know, if you're in Nebraska, you can go see Burroughs all the time, you know, with if you're a member of the Nittany Line Wrestling Club, you can go see Taylor um, or, you know, Jake Varner, who just finished his career, or Franklin Gomez, like all these guys. Um you know, so, uh, you know, I guess there's a question in and of itself, I mean, for, for both of you guys, but Joe, I'll go to you first. You know, you've really seen RTCs grow from the inception, right, from where Sunkiss Kids was was it. You know, there was a time, and I can remember as a kid, where um, I actually remember as a kid I wanted a Sunkiss Kids t-shirt so bad because they were, they were the club, man. That was the coolest thing ever. And now... In a good way, they're everywhere. They're enabling people to train. So, you know, having kind of grown through it and watched it happen, you know, what are your thoughts on the way RTCs have grown and what do you see in the future? All right, thank you. 
um, it's great. You know, um, it feels it feels like to me that we have more and more high level high level athletes, places for people to go um, when they're done college and be supported to to keep wrestling. I think that's the most important part. It, it also um, that's a that's a another team or club for kids to get behind or to go train next to. Um, yeah, and and I feel like um, every year I'm I'm learning about about new ones. So now, what what's tough is probably it does seem like a situation where you know the rich are going to get richer. Like these, right. some of these RTCs um, are just it, everything takes money, everything takes energy, and um, you know there's a handful there's a handful that probably take. 95% of the the best wrestlers coming out of college but um, that's just like in, in I think most most things in life so uh, enforced competition but uh, they're uh, they're outstanding it's got to be you know one of the reasons why in the last I mean you look from what the time you're saying uh, wrestling how we were competing in 2009 mm -hmm. versus we are today um, is tremendously different. Me and Tony, we went to some of those world championships together, like Denmark and uh, Moscow, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And some of those days were really tough. And now we have guys sitting at home that might win a world title. Mm -hmm. yeah, especially you know, with the Olympic year coming up. Yeah, I mean, Tony, what you know, I think Joe talked through that really well, but what you know, on your side of it, from behind the lens, what do you think? I think anything we can do to support the athletes is great. Um, and the more we can do, that's great. I, I do like the fact that there is um, crossover between the clubs and the RTCs. And I think bringing up the clubs is an important component to this because it's not just RTCs, right? You can you can wrestle in an RTC, but also rep a club like Titan Mercury, right? Which which they have a lot of athletes in that club. So they're, they're helping financially and with gear and with travel at least. And so I think anything we can do to support the athletes, athletes is great. Um, I, I do think that the NCAA RTC thing is not over yet. And that the NCAA is, is a little bit woke to, you know, who's in the room at what time and how, how some systems are gaming a little bit. And, and I wouldn't even say it's gaming. They're just kind of doing like, well, if you don't tell us, if you don't tell us we can't do it, then we're going to have, you know, these, um, these college athletes wrestling with the RTC folks and stuff. Um, so I think that there's probably something that's going to come to a head there. Um, and we've been hearing about that. Uh, but I think it's good, um, and I think supporting the athletes in any way we can, and getting the <coughs> younger the younger athletes in the room with the uh, older athletes, I think, is only going to benefit us as a country, for sure. Yeah, totally agreed. It yeah, wasn't so Iowa Iowa Hawkeyes had Hawkeye Wrestling Club that had to be a huge con contributor to their success uh, in the Gable era, right? They uh, they were kind of. I guess they weren't called an RTC at the time, but um, bring in world-level athletes. You let them mix it up, especially then when there's fewer re regulations. Um, it's going to benefit. It's going to be benefit the college program absolutely. 
Yeah, and seeing Gable train, or, well, it's, this would have been after he was done. I mean, he was still training, like, seeing Gable train, even though he wasn't competing. I mean, the you know, everybody knows that he just, he would crush a, an exercise bike harder than anybody, right? And just seeing that mindset and attitude and stuff and having him around, uh, you know, even after he sort of retired from coaching um, or was working with the freestyle kids. I mean, yeah, it, I, I think all of that contributes to it. Um, what, but the question to you guys is like, are we catching up to uh, Russia and um, Eastern Europe in terms of like, is all of this, are we in fact, which, and I'll answer the, my own question, like, I think we are, I think we're catching up, but I still think we have a little ways to go um, to catch up to how they're doing it, how they're bringing up young athletes and getting them ready, you know, the sedulias of the world, you know? Yeah. Um, interesting. Um, so I was talking to Amit Elor. She's from California, Tony. I don't know if you know her. She's a cadet medalist. And we had a similar conversation. Um, she had gone over to Japan. She had gone over to Japan uh, to train with their women. And um, I thought she had a really good take, you know, we don't necessarily need to do it like they're doing. You know, we we don't we can maybe take bits and pieces, but we don't have to do it just like they are. I think whatever the United States has been doing um, the last ten years is has uh, bridged the gap for sure. Now, you know, I'm so used to Russia having a medal at most weight classes. Um, in 2010, what we had zero in freestyle, right, Tony? Uh, and maybe, and we had two in 2009. Um, yeah, it sounds right. We're doing significantly better than that, and and we have, like I said, several guys, several several guys uh, at each weight class that that could do damage. So um, I don't think we're there yet, but we won a, a world title in 2017. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and our, I love the fact you look at Snyder as an example, like we're winning the Olympics at a younger age. These aren't 32 year olds, you know, like men who are, who, who are aging out. I mean, they're, we're talking about like, you know, younger, uh, younger generation of kids that are winning world and Olympic medals, which is awesome. So I think that is testament to a system that's working pretty well. What do you think, Mason? You've been right there in the mid in the middle of it. Uh, your career's going on right alongside this, you mm -hmm. know, the resurgence of USA wrestling. Yeah, so I think one of the things that's that was interesting is, and I don't, because I thought about this a lot. I don't know what I think drove this, but there was a period of time, even within wrestling, in my career, like I've always been a wrestling nerd. Um, I mean, I talk a lot in general, but you know, if you get me going on wrestling, it may never stop, right? So there was a period of time, though, where even amongst really high-level guys, it wasn't cool to be a wrestling nerd. It, like, somehow, even in the wrestling world, somehow loving wrestling to that degree, like, wasn't cool. And maybe that was just the age we were at. I don't know. But it felt like that. there was almost a... You know what I mean? It almost like fell out of being a cool thing to do to really go full throttle on wrestling. And maybe it's because of the exposure. Maybe it's because we've normalized, you know, we've heard the human side of so many of these senior level athletes, not just that are competing now that are competing um, 
that competed in past eras, right? Like, think about how many kids now have heard Royce Alger stories. Yeah. Um, right? You know, and that's... And, you know, Royce is a lunatic in the best possible way, but um, you have so, so such a larger human element to it, and I think that for kids that are coming through the sport now, you know, wrestling is a really hard sport. Um, it does things to you mentally physically emotionally that a lot of other sports don't do just because it's individualized and you add the weight cutting side of it um and you just kind of never get away from it right um so i think that we the fact that our sport has been able to humanize our most elite athletes whether if you want to talk about the interviews that that the major publications do on the internet that everybody can access whether you want to talk about stuff like what the ncaa does with athletes reading letters and getting emotional and telling their stories I think that's been a really big part of it because, I th again, I think that it allows 10-year-old kids to look at it and go, hey, I'm just like these guys. You know, I can do this. Like, um, you know, I talked to Willie Miklas the other day, and he's a great example of somebody that was a four-time All-American. He was incredibly good. Um, and somebody like and obviously, you know, a, a sad story, but you get up there and you see a guy that, is a gladiator and he gets up there and he cries and you understand that he misses his dad. Um, and that speaks to something a lot greater than just like, man, it would be really cool to win an Olympic gold medal. Like, well, yeah, obviously it is. But I, when you humanize it, which we've been able to do in our sport, it's made it real for a, a, a whole new now multiple generations of kids. And I think again, it's, somehow some way that's made it cool again like there is now a whole wrestling culture and you know and there's all sorts of offshoots to it right kids collect shoes and do all that stuff now but there is a whole culture of being a wrestling nerd and it's a cool thing to do so i think that that has been a big help from the technical development side on the men's side i think rtcs and the the growth of club wrestling you know what what the edge started um, what those guys at Edge started has just exploded. You know, it's been incredible. Even when I like when I started wrestling clubs, even back then were pretty few and far in between in a place like Pennsylvania. You know, in Pennsylvania, Rob Wallers and what and on the western side of the state, that was it. You know, um, Robbie's dad, um, Coach Waller, ran All American, and um, people drove all sorts of lengths of time to get there. And now you don't have to drive any more than a half hour, forty minutes, if you don't want to, to get to practice. So the growth of club wrestling has been a huge part of it. I, I don't know what led to this, you know, whether it's these individuals wanting to give back or somebody developing the relationship. But people like Andy Barth and Art Mortori can't go unmentioned in this either because literally none of it's possible without them. Yeah, um, and Novogratz. And yeah, Novogratz. You know, yeah. the, these these people that are the financial backing to. The clubs you mentioned, like Tight Mercury, Tony, and Sunkiss Kids, and all these things, literally none of it exists without without guys, without individuals like that. Um, you look at the other side of it; you have Beat the Streets that has enabled so many things, not just the the events like Wrestling Times Square, but they've given kids opportunities. Um, you know, and then on the women's side, I, I think we're developing really really well you know women's wrestling is still a young sport like not just in the united states it's just a young sport right it's only been in the olympics for 20 years so um 
I think it's been really cool. It's frustrating at times because growth is never as fast as you want it to be. Um, you want, you know, I, we all understand women's wrestling is the future. Girls and women's wrestling is the future, and and that there's a huge market for it. And you see people like Helen and Adeline, um, and, and I mean, there's just a laundry list. Tamara, um, Jakara Winchester is, you know, probably the best example of this ultra bright young star in our sport right now on the women's side. So. I, I think things have changed a lot, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Joe. You know, I was fortunate enough to spend a few weeks in Japan training at one point with their World and Olympic team. Um, we had athletes from all over the world come into Lehigh my time there. Um, and we do things differently, but I think that's good, right? Americans wrestle differently. Russians wrestle differently. Iranians wrestle differently. And I think that one of the things about our sport that's such a beautiful thing is that you can be wonderfully you, right? You can be unique um, and make the absolute most of it. So I don't think we need to overhaul our system to catch, to continue to catch the Russians and Iranians. I just think we need to continue to refine it and be open-minded about these are things we can adopt, but we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, a couple thoughts there. Back to um, Novogratz and Barth and mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah, thank goodness for those guys. And we were talking about Askren earlier. We lost. I'm. I'm we lost Ben because he uh, wasn't going to be able to support his family the way that he wanted to with wrestling and mm-hmm. made a what he's what he's doing today is working. But he built. Now he can make money all sorts of different ways because his brand is so big and everybody knows who Ben Askren is. Um, now, that said, we have to keep building the economy in wrestling, making wrestling cooler, bring in money from um, from outside sponsors. Um, mm-hmm. So we don't want to have to rely on on uh, a couple guys with deep pockets. No, to, no. But I think that it is starting to work. You know, right after Ben left, there's all sorts of um, media outlets. Jordan Burroughs is 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 a big you know our top athletes more and more people can be supported um mm-hmm. through um sponsorships and and things like that social media has been great for wrestling mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah uh, uh, my point was just that we got to keep building that side of things keep doing like what you're doing what both of you guys are doing and um make it possible sustainable without without some mega rich dudes yeah, and I think one of the biggest things that has enabled that, with RTCs, you'll inherently have a tie to a collegiate program, right? Um, so there are certain people that will donate to USA Wrestling, or again, like Sunkiss Kids was really the first of its kind. But what RTCs have done, and this is so important for the growth of our sport, is you tap into different donor bases. You know what I mean? You can get people... Like the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club, there are Penn State people that are willing to help David Taylor chase that dream because he's a Penn State guy and he's still effectively representing, you know, Penn State as opposed to what they have donated to USA Wrestling. You know, let's be honest, probably not, right? Yeah, it's interesting. We were talking about all these reasons or that we're catching other countries. It'd be interesting to see if how how much our results, if we had a graph of our results and then the amount of money that was going to support athletes, mm-hmm. you know, if they'd correlate. 
I'm sure yeah. they that they would. Yeah. Oh, I'm almost directly. You would have to think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned all the world travels that that you guys have taken together, and Joe, you've literally circumnavigated the globe through the sport. Um, after you graduated from Missouri, you know, what was the process that you ended up in in the wrestling media? you know, the journalism world, how did that come to be? And just talk about the journey, man. It's been a wild one. Yeah. So I graduated with a degree in education from University of Missouri. Right after college, I decided um, there's like this six-month program at the Metropolitan Community College in Kansas City for firefighting. And I'd been really interested in that. So I went and did that. I got my firefighter one and two and my EMT basic and had just got in the hiring process. Um, so right when that school ended, um, then Ben called me. Um, you know, he's been a, a big part of my life for a thing, you know, mm-hmm. just being buddies with him. And Ben had um, talked to Martin Floriani, who had started Flow about a year earlier, maybe 14 months earlier. <coughs> and he said, hey, uh, that Martin guy's wanting to um, have someone take over wrestling so he can work on the business. And so I called him up and uh, just like a, a couple, a week or two later, he happened to be driving through right past my uh, Blue Springs, Missouri. We stopped and chatted and decided it'd be a good idea to meet him at NCAAs. That, that he, um, I went to the NCAAs, it was 2008 with zero experience. I'd never interviewed anybody. I never really used video cameras. And, um, and it was a anxiety filled experience, but one that was awesome. I, I had kind of, you know, I'd lost touch with wrestling. I actually, you know, I wasn't a huge wrestling. I I didn't like it anymore, I guess when, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the end of it. Um, and it just all of a sudden, I realized how, how important the sport is. And look, I get the opportunity to talk to all these guys. It was insane. Um, um, that, that first, that first weekend. And then the more I talked to Martin and get to know him, there was something, something about him. I wanted to be around him. He had a really good energy and, and knowing that I'm just going to get to travel around I mean, it's going to be a lot of work. It was a ton of work, but getting to travel to travel around the world and hang out with cool people that I looked up to, um, it was pretty easy to make the decision. Um, you know, that, that happened about a month after that NCAAs. I went on three trips with Martin where I did um, NCAAs, high school nationals, Reno Worlds, and then the first coverage was Central Valley in California right when um, Fresno State dropped their program. Mm. Um, and Martin really tried to talk me out of it uh, on that last flight home I just think he was testing me um, and I just I told him I'm going to do it I'm going to do it better than he does <laughs> I moved down to Austin for um, a significant um, um, decrease in salary at the time but I mean it it's been so great uh meeting guys like hanging out with Tony, any big event, Tony's there. Um, there'd be a certain group of people and it was just, it was just a blast. I met my wife, uh, covering wrestling. So it's, 
it's uh, impacted my life a ton. But yeah, the beginning was just a whirlwind and just kind of only happened because of my relationship with Ben. So you mentioned the early days and everybody sees the coverage that goes on in wrestling now and um, the production value is pretty high. And at the beginning, you know, I can remember it was literally you guys running around with video cameras um, with, yeah. with, a, with a press pass and a video camera and you just did what you could. You know, I remember seeing it up close and personal at Iron Man in the early years. Talk about just, I mean, even compare and contrast almost like the growth of the coverage of wrestling. And it doesn't, you know, doesn't have to specifically be flow, but just how much it's changed and what really drove that. Yeah. So there's like different phases, maybe. Um, flow grew originally just mostly in terms of um, people that followed it. There was mm-hmm. no, there was nowhere to go watch wrestling. So easy, go, go film matches and interview people, you know, go get a, a get a Tom Brands interview at the time. It's goldmine. Not it, it, everybody wanted to see it, you know? Um, and so that at the beginning, there wasn't a lot of money, but there started to be a lot of eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, just getting on video was a thing. Um, now, the community had grown, but um, there still wasn't much money being made. And so the production of anything wasn't getting better at all. There was still no live. Um, live was the next piece. We uh, had this backpack. You might remember this backpack that was we could go live wherever wherever mm-hmm. we were. Half the time it, it didn't work. Or, <laughs> but when it worked, man, people loved it. Um and it was actually the, you know, Flow had started that subscription model with Technique Wave. Yep. And it would get like two or three. One day it had 11 signups, you know, and that's actually like, whoa, this, there's something to this. Um, we didn't, there wasn't ads all over, but there's some money coming in. And it's important. It's important to have, have that money to, to, to make the productions better. So we'll, then it was the first live event, Dake versus Taylor at the All-Star Duel. First behind the paywall uh, event. A lot of people were like really pissed about it. But it, I think that event changed, changed the landscape by itself. You know, it was very successful can, um, compared to anything that Flo had ever done at the time. I mean, successful enough that... We knew that the model was changing that night. You know, live events. It's got to be live events. And now there's tons of live events, and the production is really good. It's instead of one guy with a live backpack that didn't work, and a <laughs> garbage camera, um, to multiple camera angles, graphics. Um, there's people back in Austin that are that are taking care of any technical problems. There's announcers and um, you know, the, the subscription model has been so good to wrestling. A lot of people will just are upset that it costs them money, but it's the only, it's the only thing that got us out of like the stone age. Right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, flow changed a lot. 
I, I really missed some aspects. Like the, there was lots of coverages with all sorts of clubs at any level. Um, but you know, as soon as you find out what's working and then hone in on that. And a lot of times it's the big, it's the big schools and big storylines, but that's just cause that's what people want to watch. But, uh, I know that, um, that's a really good, um, $150 spent for me yeah. as a wrestling fan. And, um, and I think, I think people should appreciate it. Yeah. So video, live video subscription. Um, I think that's what kind of took, took flow, you know, and even before that, uh, Russian nationals, 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> 2008 Russian nationals. Um, so just being different and everybody wanted to know, or, you know, thought they wanted to know why the Russians were so good. Um, so those are kind of, kind of some big steps. And then of course, Mark Bader, Mark Bader, he's the, uh, he was a crusher. Um, as soon as he came over to flow wrestling, uh, it kind of had a different feel, double the, double the energy. But yeah, that's, those are my like phases. I would say. I there so there's one video that always stands out in my head amongst all these others that I laugh about like that if you want to point to even a few years into flow when things were building and you guys had a big following the way that you guys traveled and I can't remember if it was you or Martin but it was for Pennsylvania States in 2010 one of you guys flew in and Wayne Yon picked you up it might have been Martin but he picked one of you guys up in an old beater, and I vividly rem- that was Martin. What was? Do you remember the name of the car? Because the name of the video was "Living the Dream," and I don't remember what the name of the car was. It was some like old Dodge thing that they hadn't made in twenty years. Yeah, that's funny. I'm gonna have to go watch that. Wayne was he was awesome. I understand a really big part of the Pennsylvania landscape for a while. Yeah, there's there's a guy that. Uh, man i miss him a lot you know i huge penn state fan but my goodness if you talk about somebody that would literally give the shirt off his back to any kid that wrestled for any reason you know wayne would give you the shirt off his back not because he thought you needed the shirt but because he thought you would look better in it um he really was he was such a unique uniquely giving human um and it was you know, really sad. We lost him too soon. He kind of got sick and things happened quickly, but, um, oh, he was awesome, man. You know, that raspy voice was always excited. And oh, Wayne Danger, is that right? Wayne Danger, that was the club. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we had some good teams, man. You know, we had a team there where uh, they, we had four or five guys that ended up being All-Americans wrestling in those freaking Scooby-Doo singlets. Nice. Yeah, he had <laughs> two years, I think, he, uh, he was just part of the the flow team. Mm-hmm. One was he and Martin, and another year it was uh, the three of us. And we saw that he started every he did he did interviews with all the semifinalist winners that he could one round. And we thought it was funny. He started every uh, every single interview. He said, "Well, you punched your ticket to the finals." And while <laughs> that's what it said, and you know, over the course of an evening in a hotel room, just got funnier and funnier. Uh, but yeah, I don't even know how Martin ran into him. Uh, Martin was really at finding the right kind of person that, that loved wrestling and want to contribute, you know, like 
like Wayne is you know, Zeb Miller, uh, Gene yeah. Stevens, just really outstanding people that I think um, flow. The contributors is another reason why why flow is good. I remember when it started to go from, hey, it's only what I could shoot on the weekends to, you know, I every week Zeb would send in a coverage and Gene Stevens would do something and uh, all of a sudden it built like a really a really good foundation of um, contributors. Yeah, I dug up the video by the way. It was a Dodge Omni. Omni. Oh, nice. <laughs> With like no radio in it, and he had like a, a uh, like a Cribs episode, except for a, for a car in there, I think. Yeah. Oh man. So I'd be curious for both of you guys. You've been on a lot of international trips together. What do you think is like the most ridiculous or most memorable trip you guys have been on together? Well, for me, one of the funnest, and it kind of speaks. So it, it, we 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 were at Iron Man, and Joe, you were with me, right? When we stayed over at Zeb's that night, and um, it, you know, I, I hadn't been brought into that kind of inner circle of this sort of very startup mentality where it's like, well, you don't get a hotel room if somebody can host you. And if it's somebody awesome like Zeb, then you take that opportunity, even if you're sleeping on a sofa. Um, so I hadn't been brought into that too much. And, and anytime I walked around the gym with Joe, I was meeting like hundreds of people. They all wanted to shake his hand or he would introduce me to, you know, uh, division one college coaches, um, that sort of thing. But anyways, it was an Ironman and Zeb lived about 10 miles from the venue and we all stayed over at his place. And it was pretty awesome. Like just this is how the startup feel is functioning, you know? Um, and, uh, and the one thing that stood out is that um, there were black squirrel that used to live uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in the area Um and uh, and there were some black squirrel in the freezer because uh, they were being used to make <laughs> stew. Yeah. You Did you have squirrel, squirrel stew? I, yeah, I remember who was uh, hunting them and, and cooking it, too. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, that, that person will remain nameless. But, um, no, we had pizza uh, and a really big roaring fire. And we put wrestling on. Uh, and just hung out and drank beer and eat pizza and in front of this big fire, Zeb's a big fire guy and uh, just it really, really spoke to me. And I I, I you know, I it's not like I sought them out to sleep on the sofa, you know, too much more after that. I could kind of afford hotel rooms and stuff like that, but that trip was really pretty special. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, well I think again that's that was part of the fun is you know, part of it's Zeb, part of it's the the experience um there was there was if you you didn't put we didn't put cheese on our hamburger you know we saved uh all the money you could to, you know a ton of good stuff happened so like um that night zeb another night it, you might be at tom ryan's house or you end up making really really good friends uh so access gets easy well having friends is the best part getting access when a stressful time like NCAA or getting the behind the scenes footage, uh, you know, all that, that bootstrapping was, was really important piece for, um, for flow wrestling. 
So, you know, now you're running your own outfit. You've got Grow Wrestling. You know, you're all over the place, especially in the Midwest. Um, you know, talk about that. Talk about when, when you decided that that was what you wanted to do, you know, moving forward. Um, talk about Grow Wrestling and what really when you envision, like, this is exactly what I want to make, um, you know, from from now on. You know, what's kind of the core values of Grow Wrestling and talk about what you guys do. Cool. So, um, let's see. I moved to Kansas City a year ago in January. It was the March before that. Um, I was in Missouri watching my brother coach his state tournament. Um, and Jason Heslop, that, uh, he's a co-founder at Blue Chip. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to uh, hang out and, and chat for a while. So, he... Uh, he runs some some really good events. There was six of them at the time, I believe, um, but they'd started to grow. And you know, he's busy with his business, so he asked if uh, if I wanted to come on board and start working on those events. Um, I never run an event before, but I was around a lot. I have a lot of friends that, that run tournaments that can be resources. It worked out well because I was in Austin at the time. Didn't need to be. It's a city that it's one of the best cities on the planet. But I'd been there for ten years. My family lives here in Kansas City, and so, um, like, yeah, I mean, why why not? Like, here's something that I can do right now. It's in wrestling, um, and the a big, a big pro was it would be a reason to start doing content again. Um, I can run these tournaments, and I can start to, to develop content and build a community around it. The community will come to the tournaments. Um, and so it just seemed to, to be a good fit is also, you know, something new, something to, and I'd said the tournaments had, a had existed in the past, but, um, grow wrestling would be something completely new. And now it's an opportunity. Now I have an opportunity to do something and, um, uh, I don't know if control is the right word cause, but you know, it's, I'm going to be making the decisions on it, uh, on what goes on and. And that feels good. I like um, I like the idea of also contributing to an area of the country that is extremely important Whoa, to me. Oh, we are back um, for another episode of the home. I, it's funny, you know, like podcast. going back to the Missouri State Today Tournament or even the events that we host, uh, and it's like it's so wild how got to all these people that are you know they're walking around the concourse. I saw them doing that, and uh, he is now. 25 years ago you know it's just now that, that their grandpa to to you know instead of the young coach and uh um i think that we're we're going to impact this area and i i do want to do you know go out and travel and do content other places but we can uh we have a good focus right here in kansas city and build a help contribute to building an area that's pretty pretty dang tough that's awesome man um you know, really, the the last question I got for you, and it kind of popped into my head, and we slid away from the topic, but you, you talk about how much better true freshmen are coming out of school now. So I got a question for both you guys. You've both been covering a sport for a while. I'll put you on the spot. Who's the best true freshman you've ever seen? That's true freshman. College freshman? Yeah. 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 Mm. Cox was pretty good. Cox was pretty good. 
I'll tell you, for, so I'll go first. Give you guys some time to think. For my money, I'd go Dustin Schlater. You know, <laughs> yeah. Schlater, Schlater was a guy that kind of got lost to uh, – time wasn't kind to him and to no fault of his own. Um, you, you know, he went – Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, he went first, third. You know, he lost uh, to Gregor Gillespie in the semis as a sophomore. You know, was kind of the overwhelming favorite that year, if memory serves. But – you know, Schlater was so good coming out. I remember in, him in high school, he just smashed yeah. everyone. That's right. Uh, and and then year, his freshman year in the finals, he beat um, Oklahoma State, uh, right? I th- he, I thought he beat an Iowa guy. Oh, I can't even, why can't I think of the, the name? This Well, this, he, this, this, no, the assi- well, he beat Esposito at one point. Esposito, yeah, who I thought was like the best wrestler of all time for a while. Or, you know, just was unstoppable at the time. Yeah, you know, and Schlater, the thing with Schlater was, you know, the injuries in later years, you never got to see, and, you know, Metcalf obviously missed some time there early because of the red shirt than the last year because of the transfer, but, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of sucks. We were all, as wrestling fans, robbed of a rivalry that would have been, that was great in high school, that would have been incredible in college, um, you know, because Schlater's health, uh, just didn't hold up, but for my money, it, it was Schlater. He was just so incredibly consistent, literally from day one. What you got, Tony? I don't know. Uh, decision. I, I, I don't have a lot in my arsenal for when you guys put me on the spot like that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, I thought Dake was pretty good, right? He was a true freshman, right? At yep. one, so um, my mind kind of went there with Dake, um, but uh, yeah, I remember Schlater, and I remember how tough he was. Um, yeah, he's solid kid for sure. Well, you know, I almost got a I, but I, the reason I can't, you know, uh, Kale Sanderson obviously he never lost uh, when he was a when he was a true fret. Is this their first year of eligibility or true freshman? <laughs> true freshman. Okay, then it, then it wouldn't be. How many? Uh, how many? undefeated how many wrestlers have ever went undefeated their true freshman year i mean that's really if you want to uh, use undefeated as a true freshman Ooh. man has it ever happened pat smith right um or did he red shirt maybe i don't know that's i don't know i actually i did put a thing out i i uh i will say this pat smith has to be one of the most under discussed let like best ever people of our sport he was so good. Foreshadowing four titles. Yeah, and doing amazing things for wrestling now. Um, Arkansas, Arkansas had you know what? I talked to him last year at Fargo. That I think they took one one guy, four guys the first year. They they have 80, 80 some guys That's now awesome. behind a Division one program. You know, wrestling's a thing now, mm-hmm. and uh, I see him that. Arkansas brings a bunch of guys to uh, this fall brawl event we run, and um, guys are winning it. Uh, they're finishing high, so not only is their sport growing there, but they're tough. Yeah. Thank oh, you, yeah. Smith. Thank you, Pat Smith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all right, final answer, Joe. What do you got? <sighs> do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to hear the list of the most recent five uh, NCAA winners as a true freshman? Yeah, yeah. Tion Ware in 03, Schlater in 06, 
Jake in 10, Jaden in 14, and Miles Martin uh, in whenever this was posted, uh, 2016. But, uh, I was going to I remember watching where, and Esposito, when he was a freshman, this might not have been their true freshman year, wrestled 141, and uh, I think Esposito won in the Big 12 finals, and then where won... Um, mm-hmm. Where one in the NCA, but just such an awesome match. What a stud. Uh, I just, I got a Missouri boy, Jaden Cox. There you I was going to say, I thought that'd be easy for you. Yeah. <laughs> Not so easy. Uh, yeah, Jaden Cox, man, what a what a hammer. Can't wait to watch him wrestle um, up. You know, uh, it's a shame that we're not getting uh, the Olympics as scheduled, but I guess we get an extra year to um, create some drama. I know. I, I, feel, I feel like all of our heads are going to be ready to explode by the time it rolls around, but it's it's going to be fun, man. Um, yeah. Well, hey, that's that's all I got. I think I've kept you for, you know, we've kept you for long enough. Tony, you got anything else? Uh, just a shout out to your family, Joe, um, uh, and your brother James, who's doing some, some really solid work as a high school coach which uh, is a, uh, takes a lot of passion, and uh, he's, if I'm not wrong, he's had some real pretty immediate success with his kids. Yeah, they really, like, love him and buy into his system and stuff. Does he have state champions? Is that yeah, correct? I mean, this year he had two. Last year he had two. He's had, uh, let's see, um, Jarrett JQs was a four-time state champ that came out. Uh, now, he only wrestled there two years. Uh, Brock Mahler, mm-hmm. um, four-time state champ, came out of Tolton Catholic. Teague Travis, he won his third state title this year as a junior, committed to Oklahoma State now. In the match, he got choked out, out, con- out unconscious. I uh, saw that. Wow. Yeah, and, I mean, he was, he was passed out before, uh, before he got turned, but, man... Most official, you know, most officials would have would have called the fall. My brother told me uh, he went sent it to the center of the mat, and Teague's eyes finally opened. I can't even believe they let him keep wrestling. And James said, "I'll never forget the moment." I just looked and said, "Teague, you're in the state finals. You have one minute left." And he said, he like looked right through him. And he said, "Am I winning?" <laughs> um, and then he went uh, went ahead and won. Wow. But uh, he, most importantly, I think. Um, the program didn't have a lot of uh, attention. It wasn't a big thing at Tolton Catholic, and now wrestling is is important at the school. So he's done his job. That's awesome. Great, great to hear. Um, it's not easy, and high school coaching can can be a thankless job. It's nice when you have state champions and you have kids in the room that really want to work hard. Um, but man, it takes a lot of commitment to really be up and ready to go every day. Um, and man, I'm praying that, uh, we get to start the season as planned, uh, and have a high school season. Um, it's big if, um, but yeah, I hope it happens. Yeah, it's tough. We, um, grow wrestling had, has canceled three, three events, um, which is the right thing to do. And, uh, I think, um, you know, I hope that our next events are as planned. We have September October and December, but um, that they're not just going to happen if legally we can do it. We're we're going to do it 
when it's when it's safe and when it's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. It's unfortunate, um, but uh, you know I want to help be a solution, not a problem. Yeah. Right on, man. All right, fellas. Hey, I really appreciate it, Joe. Appreciate you so much, man. Always good to talk. Um, go way back to the Iron Man days. Tony's got photo evidence of it. It's true. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the moment I met you. I think I told you about it where I was wait, waiting to watch this kid Mason Beckman wrestle. You actually said hi to me. And I was like, you, you said something. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Mason Beckman's coming up. And you're like, I'm Mason Beckman. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Was uh, that uh, was that before I wrestled the kid from Calvary Chapel? From Cal- no, I knew you before then. I don't remember when that was, but that's funny. Yeah, yeah, that was a thing. Um, but no, man, I had a blast. Thanks for asking me. I feel like I was not getting my thoughts out uh, out the best, but uh, let's do it again sometime. Um, you're the man, Mason, uh, and thanks for uh, HMA. Uh, I was digging through. I'm going to go listen to a bunch of a bunch of podcasts. I'm actually getting starting looking into do podcast stuff. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll get some ideas. And then Tony, man, my brother, Tony, I love you. You always have my back when I'm in trouble. <laughs> and, uh, it's always, it's always a blast uh, to be near you. One, uh, yeah. looking forward to be at events, uh, again, to see my, my homeboys. And then, uh, man, you're the best photographer in the game. Thanks buddy. Appreciate it very much. All right, fellas. Take it easy, guys. Stay safe. All right, guys. See ya. Bye, Tony. Bye.